You're listening to the Fanboy Garage Podcast. Welcome to the Fanboy Garage. I'm Chris Lasanti. Vanana is on assignment this week, so I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Aaron Varola. Yo, what's up, folks? Welcome to episode 123 of the Fanboy Garage. We dearly miss Vanana right now, in this moment, and I hope she's listening. Um, our hearts are broken, but rest easy, and uh, we got you, girl. We got you. Anyways, lots to talk about. Uh, the Mandalorian just continues to bop us over the head with some banana Star Wars stuff. And then Warner Brothers, holy cow, Warner Brothers literally made the Earth move. Yeah. In another direction, yes. like Superman, because they announced something b- craziness, just absolute craziness, which I don't think we were ever expecting Warner Brothers to do. Right. Uh, but, but we'll get into it in a minute. Sure. We'll, we'll jump right into the Mandalorian first. So, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, so this week's episode, uh, which was directed by Robert Rodriguez, uh, I loved this episode. I thought it was fantastic. You know, last week, uh, on last week's show, we were talking about how when we were recapping episode five, I was saying that there were, there's only three episodes left, and there's still so much that they haven't even really touched on, right? Like the Boba Fett thing that was teased in the first episode and um, the Moff Gideon stuff. Like they really haven't done a lot with all of that. And well, that all came home this week Uh, in what was essentially a, like probably 27 or 28 minutes of actual episode because it, Mm -hmm. it clocked in at 34 minutes, but that was with a two minute recap and like a four and a half minute, credit and credits uh, sequence so there wasn't this even though it didn't seem like it was that quick because there was so much there this was a tight action like all action episode uh and it was yeah. fantastic uh, boba fett was awesome um the we got a little uh piece of i guess we're starting to get a little bit of an idea now of what's going on with grogu the child baby yoda whatever mm-hmm. uh as it seems like they're going to be um using him as a donor of some kind, right? They threw that out there at the end. Um, yeah, I mean they, they they talked a little bit um a little bit about that in the uh the episode that that I think we it was at maybe episode 4. Yeah. Um it was the Carl Weathers episode where they talk about this end count. Yeah. Um and so they they are with the child directly connecting his presence or his, his sort of existence to the emperor, right? Um, sure. Because they're gonna they're gonna need him to, uh, you know, <laughs> help help a version of the emperor come to, come to life. And I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, so you know, I'm not gonna say spoilers because I don't. It's total speculation. But I wouldn't be surprised if the child doesn't make it at all. Um, and uh, he is the reason why Snoke is as powerful as he is. Okay. I mean, yeah. yeah, because you would think that uh, that would let this whole storyline serve as a bridge between the prequel trilogy with yes. the, the midichlorians, right, that we all love so dearly, 
Uh, and the sequel trilogy, if they do go that route, right, with yeah. the whole cloning thing and that whole wacky storyline that led to the return of Palpatine. Right. Uh, so that would be interesting. You know, and uh, and on top of everything else that it's accomplishing, interest in bringing in the characters from like the animated series and stuff like that. So it's it's going to wind up being like this giant love letter to all things Star Wars, um, and just in like the greatest way possible. Um, but you know, getting back to this episode, so, yeah, it was great. Um, it sets up what looks like it's going to be a, just a fantastic final two episodes, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, interestingly. Next episode, right now, they haven't listed a director, but it's written by Rick Famuyiwa. Wow. So there's only been two episodes this season that were not written by John Favreau. The Dave Filoni episode, which he wrote and directed, and then next week's episode. So I would assume Rick Famuyiwa probably directed it, right? Yeah, it would make I, would, sense. I would agree. Yeah, and, and then, and, and you know, Favreau wrote the final finale, so. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't be surprised... Um... Uh, I, I can never say his name, dude. Famuyiwa? I can't say it. I don't know what it is. I'm going to okay. be like, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he directed it because the character, uh, Bill Burr's character, right. was in his episode last. Yes. And so, I know and you're very excited guys. for that return. <laughs> as soon as that popped up on the screen, I was like, my God, Aaron is. I don't even <laughs> want to know what Aaron's doing right now. Oh man, that that accent, right? Oh jeez, it exists in Star Wars. It's a thing. That Boston Bostonian <laughs> accent is a thing. Um, you know, this episode. Holy shit! <clears throat> the moment I saw Slave One drop out of the sky, yeah, I was like, literally, like just chills. And and the thing is, I've been I've been like, I've been like meh about Boba Fett because my whole my whole thing was the only missing piece of his puzzle in my opinion is how did he get out of the Starlight pit that's the only thing I really care about right and Tamora Morrison coming back playing him the way that he did he adds so many extra layers yeah to to this character and it's you know, it's all it's all praise to to John Favreau for for writing it this way, but you know the entitlement that he has on the armor, he cleared up a lot of stuff. Like for folks who who um, who really follow this stuff, there's been a lot of question of whether or not Jango Fett was actually a Mandalorian. Right. Um, they in some there was a comic that has not that is not canon that had him fighting in the Mandalorian Civil War and all that other stuff. And, um, you know, then then uh, Clone Wars kind of diminishes him a little bit and says that he was just a, you know, he's just a bounty hunter. He was he was not a Mandalorian. And now we finally get it that, yes, he was. Um, they kind of reinstituted some of his, his backstory and that comes, comes to life through Boba. And then there's just the, you know, um, the honor that that Boba Fett is bringing to the table where he's like, you know, this this deal, our deal isn't over. We have to we're going to help you bring the child back after spoiler. He gets taken. Right. Um, so I thought that was I was really cool. And um, and, you know, I say, yeah, that he's adding extra layers. But truth be told, there was really nothing about Boba Fett that warrants any of his badassery, like until this episode, because the dude sure. just. Oh, my God. 
he's just killing, just just destroying yeah, the shit. Yeah, he's out of menacing. He's violent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got a dad bod and he's still yeah. whipping that ass. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. He doesn't quite fit right <laughs> in the suit anymore, but. No, 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 no. I mean, granted, uh, he had he had, had extra layers of clothing on, but still. Sure, extra layers yeah. of clothing. You know, it's funny. Extra. It's almost as if, like, John Favreau or whoever, you know, was responsible for it. Let's assume it's Favreau. Um, sat back and said, like, you know, Boba Fett has become so, like, mythical over the years, right, since Return of the Jedi. Um, like, how am I possibly going to create a version of him that lives up to that and mm-hmm. and he just focused and delivered that a thousand percent right and the yeah. only thing now is that it's going to be difficult for me to watch return of the jedi again to see him so clumsily not obviously meet his demise anymore because he didn't but just that moment's going to seem a little awkward now um yeah because yeah. of just watching this but you know that's fine we you know, we could always write off things like that as saying, well, things evolve. And if you survive the Sarlacc pit, you might come out a hell of a lot different, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that is the um, and I'm glad that he's going to stick around um, for the for the back half of this uh, for the finale. I'm hoping um, because we'll get some of that story right um, through conversation. I'm hoping, you know, I hope they don't just leave us like <laughs> hanging um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, um, I mean, he just looks, he looks like he's been through some shit. Yeah. Um, I love that he has, he has adopted the Tuscan Raider weaponry and just sort of outfit kind of stuff. Like he's got a lot of that going on. Um, so it's going to be interesting to hear his story about getting out of the Sarlacc pit, you know, potentially the. The uh, Jawas peeling, you know, taking the armor off of him and him being nursed to health by the Sand People. I think that's going to be a really that that might be something cool to explore. Um, I love that he <laughs> he had me rocket launchers, um, yeah. which is dope as shit, you know. And he, I mean, yeah, you know, the way that 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 episode was shot too is was great. Um, and you know, you mentioned it, but uh, Robert Rodriguez coming in to. Uh, to direct that episode was was just amazing. He he has such an eye for for action. Yeah, and um, and you know it's funny because I had a feeling that he would he would have an episode under his belt. I watch Chef, as you guys all know, hashtag sourdough, and um, he he also makes <coughs> badass pizza. And uh, John Favreau was visiting him at his at his ranch, and uh, I was like, "Oh man, it'd be awesome if, if Robert Rodriguez directed an episode of uh, of The Mandalorian." And here we are. Yeah. So, you, you know, I, I, I where where this goes. Oh, oh, and oh my God, we totally forgot about this part. But like the fact that Grogu is in that force, the force field, yes. um, was was interesting. We've never seen that before. Um, who he was communing with? Yeah, I don't know. Right, that's obviously a mystery that we will hopefully find out. Yes. Yeah, dude. If Luke Skywalker pops up at the end of this season and like essentially saves the day, what the hell? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't. Can you do that? With see, here's the thing: if you do that, like, I don't think you can do that, like if you're going to go a few more seasons, because like, 
I don't know that you play that card and then like not have him factor into the show. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, can you just have him pop up, save the day and then like Take we forget about him? Like, no. I, I think that might be difficult. That's, um, that's painting themselves in a corner. Yes. I think As that Bridger. I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe that may not be as big a payoff, but that's okay, right? Because as we've mentioned before, like this show is playing to two types, you know, two specific audiences, the hardcore fans that get all of that and the mainstream audience that will learn about it, right? Like they're on board with it. So I guess you could do that. I don't, I don't know that that is as much of a payoff, but who knows? I mean, but we do know that he he seemed like the way he was kind of fighting off those stormtroopers, you know, with the using the force. Uh, obviously, there was an evolution there. Yeah, he he's definitely um, he, he tapped more into his his powers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. You know, Moff Gideon clearly knows. He's like, oh, you know, just let him do his thing because he's going to get tired anyways. Right. Um, so, you know, there's a – I guess there's an understanding. But but, but you're right because, you know, he wasn't doing that before when he first got captured. Um, you would have thought he would have unleashed on Mando when he opened up that uh, that, po- that pod. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean um, – and then, you know, for me it was almost like – a. As I was watching that scene, oh, he's like, oh, he's channeling the dark side. Well, yeah, because you know, he's, he's getting upset, and yep. uh, you know, and that because and he, he's been ripped away from his father, um, Mando. So, who, who knows where this goes? Um, well, and that ties into the like what Ahsoka was talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we'll see. Um, yeah. And if and if you know if he does end up going like full on dark side and then ends up getting sacrificed to, to the dark you know to the dark side I mean that is like, that's, that's a twist. I, that would that be, would that would actually blow my mind. Yeah, I don't man that would be dark for this right would this show. Crazy? I mean the way they've set this character up as this like, not to say that. I, I don't I don't want to go full on George Lucas here and say that like, you know, this is a character for the kids, right? That kids can love and everyone loves the character. Sure, you could turn everybody on their asses and do that. Yeah. Um but I I don't know that it fits. Yeah, they wouldn't be making like cute little figures of him. Yeah, I mean you could, but side. yeah. Right, yeah, because then nah. it's like you're gonna have like all oh, these kids are gonna start throwing out their doll. You know, it's like it becomes like a whole thing. Boycotting Grogu. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's a cute name. It's not like his name was something like Damien. <laughs> Subtle, yeah. <laughs> Damien, the little Yoda light. Yeah, um, getting back though to quickly to Robert Rodriguez because you mentioned how he how he well he films action and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know what's great about this show is how. Um, you know, they bring on a guy like Robert Rodriguez. They had this episode that I'm sure that they knew, right, based on the script, was going to be like a really like a short, tight, almost yep. all action episode. So what do you do? Go find a director that specializes in that, right? That's really great yep. at has an eye for that, uh, and also has you know knows how to do it within the context of like genre movie making. 
Uh, and people forget, like, Robert Rodriguez burst onto the scene. Really, it was his editing. Not, not He didn't do it as an editor. But, like, El Mariachi, which was his thing, right, his breakthrough, yeah. was really a, a marvel of editing. Yeah. And it got the most out of what it had, right? And so, like, you just – it's great that they're able to find these – creative these creators that can fit the episode fit the tone that they're going for and and it's not cookie cutter stuff like it's they don't care about the length the length is as whatever they need it to be right and it it just that's what makes this so good like i you know i was watching star trek discovery uh also this weekend and i love star trek right and discovery has been really good this year but like one of the things that stood out to me was there was a part of me that was like after watching The Mandalorian, it, it's tough for me to watch a show that like every week has to fit into like a one hour window or a 48 minute window or whatever it is. Right. right? Because it's like you just you start to the pay, your pacing is thrown off because like The Mandalorian is just so well paced because it's it's just what it needs to be. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Like, imagine this episode if they had to throw in another, like, 20 minutes of filler into it. No. So it just, they just gave you the meat of what, what you needed, and, and it fits into this eight-episode arc. And, like, that's what's so great about it. And it's it's tough. It's tough watching. No matter, even though the other shows are good, but it's like, man, like, every week, every episode is the same length. Yeah. And, like, yeah. it doesn't really matter. And, and there are action moments. There are slower moments but like it's just it's all the same length and this, a lot of the same beats and stuff like that uh mandalorian has thrown all of that out the window and mm-hmm. uh, it's just such a, such a different way to and i i think more enjoyable way uh to watch television especially if you're going to watch it like on a week-to-week basis right where you're not binging right right yeah, yeah. and <clears throat> we'd be remiss not to uh not to mention that uh, Ming Na Wen comes back. Sure. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think it, I think uh, just the fun fun Easter eggs with like the mechanics of her abdomen look very similar to uh, Luke's Luke's arm. Yeah, like his hand. Uh, so some 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 really cool stuff there. But uh, whew. man, I'm and like, we'll see what happens. So do you now originally right? Uh, the Mandalorian came to to be because they were thinking about it like a concept for like a Boba Fett show, right? Mm-hmm. And then it, it yeah, evolved with, into uh, the, James Mangold actually. Yeah, and then it evolved into the Mandalorian. Um, you know, you there, I you could still do that now, right? Like introducing this character like this. Now we don't know how the character's fate, how this ends for him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, Assuming, let's just say he survives this season. Uh, I know you were thinking that you were going to see be seeing Ahsoka show mm-hmm. somewhere along the way. Do you think there's still room for a Boba Fett show now that everyone's kind of pumped about the character again, or do you think it's like maybe only so much, you know, Mandalorian armor uh, to go? You know, you can't. We don't want to have too many of too much of that. Yeah, I mean, I I think it depends. Um... It depends on it, it. I mean, yeah, it depends on how how this how his run ends in this show. 
Um, do I really like? I, I think Tamora Morrison is maybe too old to kind of do a backtrack, like a "Where has he been?" Oh, kind of thing. Yeah. And then at that point, that's just that's just useless. I just I don't see any value in that. Um, you know, I would say. Yes, there's too much Mandalorian stuff. I think we got everything we needed to in a what we would have expected in a Boba Fett show. Yep. Um, with you know Jinjarin and you know him as the Mandalorian and, and that that sort of fold. Um, the comment that he makes, which is which is exactly as verbatim from what his father says, "I'm just a man making his way through the galaxy," which I thought was awesome. Uh, nice little callback to uh, to Attack of the Clones when you first meet Jango Fett. And um, that idea is it, it is applicable to so many characters that I just feel like that's just a, the trope that I don't want to see. Right. So I would say le- let let Boba Fett do his thing in the Mandalorian and then move on. Right. So um, here's one more thing to throw as out at as he is. And and maybe this is, since you've mentioned this already, it's not something that I had thought about. Uh, the idea of tying potentially. Uh, the Grogu to maybe the at least part of the process that might lead to you know Snoke Palpatine whatever all of that stuff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if that winds up happening does that upset you because I know you're big on because we had just mentioned last week how like what's nice about this show is that it it kind of let lot got us to forget about the sequel trilogy in a sense right right Um, and I know you're you're not big on having to like connect too many dots and stuff like that. But if that winds up ultimately being uh, a thing here on the Mandalorian, does that, how do you feel about that? Like, does that bother you? Does it change things for you? Not so, so that is a complicated question and I'm going to give you a complicated answer. Um, Yes, I agree. Like, just to reinforce what I said last week, that the freedom of, you know, the the shackles of the the Skywalkers and the sequel trilogy and and all of that stuff is is what makes this so successful. Because you know, I'm not thinking about any of that, which is one of the reasons why I know I mentioned Luke Skywalker. I would hope to God I don't see him pop up in the show. So many people are clamoring for it, but I just I really don't want a Skywalker in this. Um, but connecting it to Snoke and Snoke specifically, because I know Snoke has his, his connections to the emperor, but there is still a big question mark of like, where did that guy come from and what was the purpose of him? And like, you know, I thought JJ did such, like, you know, it's funny because JJ set up him, set him up as a villain, right? Ryan Johnson gets rid of him as a villain. Right. And then JJ just like throws him in a test tube and is like, mm, yeah, here you go. That, yeah. I mean, was, there wasn't much JJ could do at that point because uh, yes the no. character could, was there, rendered irrelevant. Could have been a, by little, that a point. little more if he wanted to versus just throwing him in a tube. And that's kind of what, Oh, well that was because the, the rush to, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you there, but that, that the problem with that was just the rush to get to Palpatine. I mean, Palpatine. I thought that entire, yeah thing not to rehash the rise of skywalker again but like one of my biggest issues with that movie was that i felt like it it just rushed to the palpatine thing it was like yeah. the movie started and it's like oh by the way palpatine's back 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and when he was announced in a Fortnite game, like what? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Oh my God! You're talking about like. Anyways, later. Let me not even go there. Um. But having having Snoke's origin addressed peripherally in the Mandalorian, I'm satisfied with. Because. Okay. Because this is happening between two substantial periods of time, cinematically, there has to be a connection to some of this. Um, and I would rather – and because they're sitting in the outer regions, this this is the birth of the First Order. This is the birth and, – and the funny thing is the vehicles that came down in this episode um, with the Stormtroopers, very reminiscent of the um, – Infantry the uh, vehicles that came down during um, the Force Awakens. Yeah. So there are there were some there's some inter interesting thread stitching happening here. The uh, again going back to like the connection to Snoke, I I kind of want a little bit of that because it answers how you know th like the influence that Snoke could have on on a young Ben Solo and the impact that that could have on an emerging Jedi who's kind of resurfacing as in Luke Skywalker. Right. And like everyone not really keeping an eye on this, like, because I think part of this is we were all left with this question of like, Oh, but I thought our heroes won and the force awakens starts and it's like right back in the yes, shit. It's that's like, how did yes. we get there? That's, that's what would be satisfying for me would be like, I would, I'd like to see – I like – and we're even getting a little bit of it already. Like the idea that like you know, this – when they said, well, the Empire's done, right? Yeah. But but wait. But this – there's still elements of it. And like I, I thought that whole idea with like the First Order being like – it was like, oh, well, we just wanted to like replicate the Empire. Right. So like we just – like they, they made it – in Force Awakens, it's almost as if to say like – they just like this was this bunch of copycats, copycats. that were like, "Hey, yeah. let's do this thing," and that 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 was not completely satisfying either. So I think that, yeah, if we get a little bit of a, give us a little bit of like how that happened, like how did we get to that point, like and mm -hmm. and it's starting to make sense. Um, I think that yeah, I think that's cool. So yeah, and and, and you know, because we're we're all living in the world where the rise of Skywalker is a thing. We, we all know that Palpatine is still around. Yes. And, right? and it gives you a, and it also gives a purpose to this character of Grogu. Yeah. Cause it's like, why would yeah. you put a baby Yoda character in this show that has this force sensitive? Uh, and now we've expanded on the idea. Like we know that he, you know, was, you know, at the Jedi temple and all of that and was taken, and and you know so it's like it gives a greater sense of purpose to that character as well because you can't just introduce yeah. a character like that and not have it really lead to anything important right and and i mean to that end you know it's for everyone who's who's only lived star wars through you know the movies it also pays pays off on some of the other the other story threads that have been kind of created in the clone wars and in rebels where the emperor is seeking out four sensitive children and yes there's and he's collecting them and nobody understands the purpose behind this but like 
Ezra Bridger was was going to be one of those kids that gets taken, and um, that idea married with the return of Palpatine and Grogu sitting in the middle of all of this creates a nice a nice thread between all of those all of those narratives. And so I'm I'm cool I'm cool with that. I'm good with it. Yeah. As long as he doesn't pop up. And like I said, if I see Snoke, I mean, if Snoke ends up popping up in in say season three of The Mandalorian, I'm gonna be like a like amazed about it. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna like champion the whole thing. Sure. Because he is a brilliant. I mean, he is an interesting character in that you know he looks different. No one really knows what that like, and he's super powerful and and all of that kind of makes sense that if he ends up with you know the M count the the the, the child being his donor. And he becomes a reality. That's a nice thread. That's a nice connection to to the sequel trilogy, and it makes that stronger, in my opinion. Um, what happens to the rest of the characters? I have no clue. <laughs> well, yeah, but, that's the yeah. Hey, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. I mean, all all I know is that what we're getting in the Mandalorian is the best of Star Wars uh, that that I could have ever hoped for. Um, you know, I still appreciate and and hold very high the Last Jedi, um, but this, in my mind, like this is this is flawless. Like the Mandalorian is like it's great. It's great TV. It's great streaming. It's great storytelling. It's great action. It's great yep. directing. It's great. You know, everything is good. So yeah. Just give me more of that. Yeah. All right. So speaking of streaming <laughs> and uh, <laughs> action and movies and everything else, Warner Brothers. Uh, dropped a bomb this past week uh, by announcing that their entire 2021 slate uh, is going to release simultaneously in theaters where available and on HBO Max uh, and continuing uh, in the the pattern that they're or the way that they're doing it with Wonder Woman 84 not at no additional cost right beyond your HBO Max subscription which is just sent shockwaves through just the entire like world, right? The theater world, the the fan world, the fandom, um, just everybody's going. I mean, people that I've never even spoken to about stuff like this were coming to me and saying like, hey, did you hear about that? Um, mm. And I know we, we experienced different perspectives on this because we were texting back and forth about this a couple days ago. Uh, you were saying how like, oh, that people were losing their minds and they were negative about it, whatever. And I, I said, mm -hmm. you're probably checking out social media. You said, yeah, because mm -hmm. I, I haven't been on social media much. And I experienced something completely different because I was just around people who were not like part of like this little bubble here. Um, mm -hmm. and they were just like, this is the best thing ever. So, I mean, yeah, if you're like a big theater goer, then sure. You're, you're seeing the writing on the wall, uh, that this yeah. is yeah not good for the future of theaters. But if you're somebody who just loves movies and watches your movies at home for the most part, which is a lot of people now, um, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, this is fantastic. I mean, HBO max instantly becomes like one of the best values in streaming, um, yeah. You know, just with this move. And I mean, if, if you look at the actual slate, uh, it's, you know, I mean, you're talking about Godzilla versus Kong, um, the Suicide Squad, Dune, there's a new Conjuring, mm -hmm. The Matrix 4, Mortal Kombat film, In the Heights, 
Uh, I mean, so it's, yeah. uh, you know, and obviously Wonder Woman 84, which will still be on HBO Max, at least for a little bit into uh, 2021. I mean, that's that's a lot. And, you know, and I mean, they, look, the fact is there's going to be a backlog of movies, right, in 2021. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of movies shifted to that year. And we still don't know, as we're in the midst of like the second wave or whatever you want to call it here, uh, and, you know, certain places starting to shut down again. We don't know what the state of theaters is going to be like, especially into the first quarter of next year. And even with that, you know, we don't know, like, what... I mean, we mentioned this, I don't remember if it was last episode or a couple episodes ago, like, what is going to be the state of mind of people, like, going to theaters, you know, next year? Yeah. Like, are they just going to, I don't think people are just going to all of a sudden start flocking to movie theaters, especially if there's an abundance of movies. Like, I mean, we were talking about how, like, Fast and the Furious and the new James Bond are supposed to open, like, on the same weekend. Like, yeah. things like that are going to be happening. And, like, I, I just I don't know that people are going to go a year without having gone to a theater and then all of a sudden they're going to spend an entire weekend in one. Probably not yeah. going to happen. This is fascinating on a number of levels. It's fascinating because, you know, Warner Brothers was the studio that was the most reluctant to um, to put their movies on streaming services, right? Like, they were the ones who were holding out like the longest to try to get their movies released in theaters. And now they've just gone all in on, on streaming and not even in a premium format. Right. Uh, and I think that's again, the biggest surprise. I, I don't think that any of this is a, is a huge surprise except for the fact that they're not charging extra for it. And they're just using it to, I guess, enhance their streaming service. That's right. the big surprise, and that's the game changer element of this, um, because that's something that uh, Disney has done a little bit, but like with Mulan, they they did it different. They did it differently, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and other studios have done it, like Universal have gone the way of of premium video on demand. But you know, this is, I mean, again, you know, Universal has that deal with AMC theaters and with Cinemark theaters where you know they've sh- they've shortened the um you know release window. window to where like yeah you know depending on which deal it was you know you're either going to have a couple of weeks or you know up to like a month where the movies are going to be able to go directly to premium video on demand and that's not like just a next year thing like that's just a forever thing and now with this thing you know with hbo max i mean i i think we're you know Look, we know that the pandemic has certainly expedited uh, the, you know, stream movies at home, like first run movies at home uh, plan. Like Disney right. said, this was always our future, but like it's it's here now. It's faster. It came here faster than we, we maybe expected right. it to. Um, you know, I, I find it very hard to believe. People are saying, for the people that are going to say, well, it's just for next year. You know, people are creatures no. of habit, and you know you've now had most people go a year without going to the theater, or at least most of a year without going to a theater. And now, if you're going to let them watch movies at home for no additional cost, uh, all of next year, like good luck getting them back to theaters in 2022. Yeah, because now yeah. you it's just become the thing, and I don't know that people just flip that switch back again. 
Like, yeah, I, I don't think I, you could take it away. Like now, how how do you expect people to want to pay extra? Yeah, you can't. It's you can't. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Like, there's no way. Yeah, it's like W. Neat. It would be like WWE trying to like go back to like a pay per view model, like where like rather than have everything on the network, like where you're yeah. going to pay fifty bucks now for pay per views again instead of getting it all for the one subscription price. Yeah, I you know. It was interesting because I, when I was texting you guys, I was thinking about because I, I noticed I got a notification. Oh, your local AMC theater is is open. And I was like, oh shit, let me take a look, see what's going on over there, right? Because I I've got the itch. I want to I want to go to the theaters, right? I haven't seen anything new in a long time, other than stuff that's been out and kind of making its way onto VOD. Um. And so I'm looking at it, I'm pricing it out, and I'm texting you guys, hey, maybe we'll run the theater, you know, it'd be cool, <clears throat> do like a watch party. And seriously, like a couple hours later, Warner Brothers drops that bomb, I'm like, I ain't going to the theater. No. <laughs> I literally was like, there's no need. There's literally no need. And <clears throat> here's the thing. I love going to the theater, and I get it. I get it for every anyone that was in our that's in our bubble because you, you brought out a very good point about the the whole social media bubble thing right the echo chamber, um, you know, it is it is an an experience and it's a lot of fun when you have those moments. Um, you know, we talked about it before where Cap, you know, picks up Mjolnir and says Avengers Assemble like that energy is great. You know, it's it's awesome. You don't know anybody in the theater unless you're sitting next to people you know. But for most part, you don't know anybody, and you're sharing in that excitement, you're sharing in that experience, and you guys are all championing and cheering for your characters on the screen. It's awesome. Um, do I think that 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 moment is lost on the couch? <sighs> no. Well, I the don't, internal actually. feeling won't be. Yeah, I mean, no, you're no, still no, going to no. get I mean, excited yeah, yeah, about the, like, it. You with know. my fellow man, feeling is is not there, but like, yo. When I watch The Mandalorian by myself at 7 o'clock in the morning, I am laughing to myself. I am sure. like standing up. I am doing my thing. And, and then I'm you're texting us at 6.30 in yeah, the morning. Yeah, I'm texting you guys at yeah. 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, because I want everyone to share that excitement, right? right? It's like, yep. So, well, maybe, maybe that's what it is, right? That's essentially what, you're, what the outlet that you're getting when sure. you're in the theater. Um, but, you know, Warner Brothers of all studios – in my opinion, going, going, making that call is, is huge and it's seismic because it's Warner Brothers, right? Yes. Not because it's Warner Brothers' studios, because Warner Brothers has been apprehensive from jump yep. about releasing things on VOD. And I mean, Tenant is a great example. I think, I think they got hurt. They hurt themselves so bad with Tenant and looking down the pipeline of like Wonder Woman, they had two blockbusters primed and ready to go in 2020 while everyone else was like, no, nah, this isn't looking too good. We need to start right. pushing stuff out. They were holding to their guns and they lost. Yeah. Now they have they have to make this call. And to your point before, and it's something I shared uh, on our group uh, on our Facebook page, because uh, I know Ron Diesel was asking, like, do you think this was a good move? I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but like, they had no choice because it's gonna be a stacked 2021. Right. Stacked. I mean, they and like. They did have a choice, well, look, though, right? I mean, yes and no. Like, what I'm saying is the choice is that you could stick it out, but then you're you're competing with all other studios that are releasing their blockbusters, and you're 
I mean, who knows where we're going to be at that point, right? Like, everyone's talking vaccine, but, like, there is a stage process in the vaccine, right? The, the rollout of the vaccine. And then, you know, like, it's hard enough when you're a moviegoer um, to make a choice of, like, oh, do I see this movie or that movie? And if I'm not even there yet, I'm going to be like, I see no movies because I'm not ready to go there. Or I have to pick and choose and, like... I'd rather just sit on my couch, to be honest with you. I'd rather just kind of plan it sure. out and go, hey, you know what? I'm going to watch no, you don't gotta, safety in my You don't got to sell that to me. I've been talking about sitting on my couch yeah. watching these movies all year. Yeah. I know, and that's the thing. And, and you know, I – the other thing I said, and I said this on social media, so for anyone who was following me, like, I'm sorry you got to hear it again, but, like, yo, the theaters were not doing well in the first place before right. the pandemic. They needed to come up with other strategies – other gimmicks to kind of keep people sure. on the seats. Um, that's why that's why everyone went re- with, with recliners. That's why people are doing dining seating kind of thing. Um, so that you know that was only going to last, but so long um, because technology has been moving in this direction, anyways. And with the impetus of five G on the horizon, like this was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Like it's been accelerated, but like 5g was going to change is, is going to continue to push this further. And like, yeah, theaters are going to have to come up with something else if sure. they want to stay relevant. Now, so. when you said though, they, they didn't really have much of a choice. You're talking about the choice of theater versus streaming. I, I think the choice here really is not that. Cause I think that's obvious. Right. I think the choice is sh- streaming, for no additional cost on your service versus yes. charging, right? Premium video on demand. There. And and that's yeah, the that, choice that's where crazy. you could argue that and I guess we'll see what happens with HBO Max subscriptions with Wonder Woman. But you could argue that and this is just, you know, speaking now, right, ahead of time, that Warner Brothers made the wrong decision twice, right, with Tenant and Wonder Woman eighty four. That yeah. The obvious yeah. choice was to make both films available as premium video on demand content 100%. and that 100%. they didn't do it with either one. They chose to release Tenet in theaters and it's now made like $360 million worldwide on a $200 million budget or whatever. Yeah. And, and Wonder Woman 84 is not – I mean, yes, it's going to have a theatrical release, but I mean I think most people are going to be watching it at home at no additional mm-hmm. cost. And and look, let's not forget that they still will be releasing the movies in theaters. So it's going to be interesting to watch what's going to happen next year because now people, COVID aside, will have a choice, right? Uh, will, will they go to the theaters or will they watch it from home? Uh, assuming most people watch it from home, uh, you know, especially here. I mean, overseas is a different story, especially right. since there is no HBO Max overseas. So it's going to be theaters there, but... You know, do, do they say, hey, we're better off seeing if we could boost our HBO Max subscriptions here in the U.S. and then try to make most of our theatrical money overseas, maybe break overseas. even with overseas grosses and then, mm-hmm. you know, see how it helps with the streaming service and all of that. Yeah, uh, you could do that. comes from China. Yeah, you can do right. that. But the thing is, I, I still think that the, the right call um, – for both of these movies was to do a premium video on demand component. Um, and yeah, and, and they, they didn't do it either way. And, and we'll see, I mean, look, 
now they've set themselves up, Warner Brothers has, for, I mean, they can't possibly, I mean, this has to be their new model now, right? <laughs> like, Yeah, you can't, you can't backtrack from that. I mean, I guess like you could. You could if no, dude. But an entire year. I, of I get new all films. that. I get it. But the thing is now, like, man, I don't know. I mean, you know, if you give, if you don't give people a choice, though, like, let's say in twenty twenty two, they say, hey, you know what? Uh, this is was an experiment. We're we're not going to do it going forward. If you want to see your favorite movies, you're going to either have to go to the theater or we're going to make right. it available for premium video on demand. Yeah. So at least you have to pay for it. I mean, people right. then have the choice. So do I either wait for it to come out, you know, in whatever X amount of time, uh, you know, for free or do I pay for it now? So, yeah. I mean, they could I mean, force the market, but who knows what things are going to be like after next year? Yeah, That's and the, the whole and then the whole idea of like, because I'm trying to I'm trying to get into their heads. So for everyone that's an HBO Max subscriber, yeah, yeah, you 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 win, right? It's if you're paying fourteen fourteen ninety nine, right? For most people, I'm paying eleven ninety nine. Um, for yeah, it's fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, right? it's free for some people. Yeah, yeah if so, you have AT and T, so fourteen ninety nine for for some folks are free for others. Eleven ninety nine for this guy here. Um. You know, you're going to get an early peek at some of these films for a month. You can watch it as many times as you want. It's fine. I share my I share my subscription with, with my brother and my sister-in-law. Right? So they're getting that for free, as you said. And then, you know, d- does someone go, eh, you know what? I saw Wonder Woman. Okay, I'm going to disconnect my service. I'm done with that. I'm not doing – I'm not going to watch HBO Max. Or are they hoping that – the the data says that once people are subscribed, you have enough content to lock them in, and then you're getting your your fourteen ninety nine, the price of a movie ticket every month. Sure, no yeah. doubt. Well, that's the thing. I mean, because now right? that's why I say next year it's an incredible value because for fifteen <clears throat> yeah. bucks you're getting HBO and all of its content, you're getting HBO Max and all of its additional content. And now you're getting these movies for, in some like here in New York City, less than the price of a movie ticket. Yeah, uh, and you're yeah. getting however many movies it's going to work out to, you know, every month or you know what the average what it averages out to anyway. Uh, right. Over the course right. of the year, you're getting all the big film theatrical releases uh, for the you know for the price of a movie for ticket or less than a movie yeah. ticket and you're getting HBO and you're getting HBO Max and the additional content and all that stuff at one time i mean it is an incredible value no doubt yeah. about I, it i mean i'm hoping i i'm you know they're hoping for for mass adoption sure you know people going okay yeah sure 14.99 no sweat off my back i would have paid that for one for one ticket right um for one viewing you know and i get to watch this for a month and where you know then it leaves after a month. Who knows when, how, and when it comes back. Um, but yeah, I mean, shit. HBO Max is a steal at this point. Yeah, it's a total for now. Steal with all these, sure. I mean, it is. It is the now how successful it is is a completely different story. But it is the one. It is the streaming service to beat because Netflix. Sorry. You you don't have that you don't you don't have that that push. no and I I'd love to see what I mean you know I'm sure that people have been running numbers for them left and right but I mm-hmm. I'd love to see what 
like they would need to do as far as like because you know these are for the most part these are big budget films right i mean this isn't but you know we're seeing netflix though i mean we mentioned it back a few episodes back like netflix i don't even remember what the movie was now but they had it was gonna be like a 200 million dollar budget ryan gosling yeah film that they would do so if that's gonna happen then clearly now obviously netflix has a lot more subscribers for now than hbo max does but that could change over time Mm-hmm. Um, but so clearly there is room to invest and it, it's not to say that you'll never be able to further monetize these films because clearly they're going to be on HBO max for a month and then you're going to have mm-hmm. to pay to watch it somehow. Right. So, you know, the, the people like us, right. will probably buy, you know, some of those movies, right. Like one room in 84 or whatever on digital download or whatnot. Sure. Other people might rent them over time. People will buy the physical. Yeah, they'll buy the physical media, all of that stuff. So you're still going to have that market. Um, I I mean, I just, I don't know. I I don't know what this means for, and I don't know that the studios know either, you know, what it means for them. Like how much is it worth investing in, you know, the movies, if this is going to eventually be the thing. And again, it's Warner Brothers that, that, change this game because you know what universal is doing is much different you know and what disney did with mulan was very different and what you know the bill and ted thing and all that stuff like that was all very different and um that's why it's so hard to wrap your head around it because like they went all in Uh, yeah and it's so it's it's hard to say what kind of effect that that has on um, yeah i i mean they should I mean, we said we said this, but like that premium model, man. That would have been the right. That to me, that would have been the right the right call, like to make to make money. And but but I think it would. I think it's such a an interesting bar to set because that doesn't get people to flock to your. They may have looked at Disney's numbers and go like they didn't really see that much of an uptick in subscribers from Mulan. But like, but again, like Wonder Woman eighty four and the rest of the slate is not, you know, maybe some of those are in the Mulan category. Sure. But like, Wonder Woman eighty four is not. Well, they may not have seen, but see, with Mulan, they didn't have to see an uptick in subscribers because so the existing subscribers had to pay extra for it. Right. So that's where it's a different thing. Like, if if you know, well, I don't know. Again, we still don't know what the Mulan numbers were, but you know, at least in that sense. So like, if you do it that way, you don't have to your existing subscribers are more than enough if they all, not all, they're not all going to pay for it. But right, a small percentage. If, yeah, if it's a small percentage, even 5% of the HBO Max right. subscribers paid for Wonder Woman, I mean, that would be a windfall for them. Hell yeah. You know, especially without having to do the theater yeah, splits so that's, and all that, of that. To me, and they didn't have to, to our point many, many times ago, like in previous episodes, but they didn't have to go with the twenty nine ninety nine, you know, price. If they went twenty four ninety nine, sure. They but still make still make. Uh, listen, they they know. I would like to think that they know what they're doing. I mean, look, yeah. They they put wait, money. Wait, wait, Quibi, Quibi is all I'm saying. Quibi. Well, yeah, but that was <laughs> they put money into the Snyder cut, right? You know, yeah, they they yeah. put money into that, which was is just going to be an HBO Max and always was going to be an HBO, HBO Max exclusive. Sure. 
So obviously, and we see what Netflix is doing, pumping money into products, and we've seen what these other streaming services are doing with original programming, right? I mean, look, you know, look at Disney Plus. I mean, The Mandalorian is not a cheap show to produce, I'm sure. Um, Star Trek Discovery, I know for a fact, is not. I mean, I think those episodes are, they cost a couple million bucks or more an episode to produce. But obviously, it's there's value there because they're seeing it, right? And it, it just got renewed for a fourth season. So clearly, they're seeing a value uh, in spending, you know, tens of millions of dollars a season on Star Trek Discovery. Uh, it, it's got to be paying dividends, you know, for CBS All Access. And it's not the, that's not the only, and they're doing, you know, they did Star Trek Picard, and they did Lower Decks, the animated series, and they're doing another uh, live action series. So, like, there's obviously value here. And there's, so they're willing to spend the money. So it's not, when you think of it in those terms, it's not as crazy to think about. It's just, right. I think, again, it's, it's just the surprise of the fact that it's Warner Bros. Like, you would have thought if Disney had done this, I would have been like, all right, I get it. Yeah. You know, even if, if you not that Universal has like their own thing, but like if Universal had worked, because they've been kind of on top of this from I mean, the very they, beginning. Yeah, right? they did something with Peacock. Yeah. So you could, you know, things like that, I would have been like, all right, I get it. But the fact that Warner Brothers, of all places, of all studios, was the one to just completely just destroy uh, yeah. everything with this announcement is is what's really hard to wrap your head around. And they have really not, you know, spoken, at least not that I've seen, about, like, what the motivations were behind no. this. I so mean, I, other than just saying, like, it's been... Right, yeah, other than the know, obvious. tumultuous year sure. or whatever. And, and, and then the thing is, too, I was reading, um, I think it was a Deadline report or maybe a Variety... But, like, they let their partners know, like, as in the theater chains, a couple of hours, maybe, like, an hour before. Well, sure, because I don't think that that's something that you... No, I know. I didn't want that to get leaked. Yeah. But, like... Well, but you you know what's fascinating, though? You remember when... I mean, you remember the uproar, right? When yeah, Universal, Universal uh, touted yeah. their the success of Trolls World Tour, right? Yeah. And AMC threw a hissy fit, and we talked yeah. about it, and we boycott. were like, you know, guys, get over it. Like you, they were going to boycott yeah. the Universal films, and I, yeah. you know, how I said how how silly that was. Why fight the future? Try to figure out how to work within the the framework of it, right. and that's what they wound up doing. They wound up striking the deal yeah. with Universal, uh, and then uh, Cinemark followed suit. Um, but you have not like, this is now, and I, again, they, they're releasing the movies in the theaters as well, but you would think that this would have caused some type of an uproar, but yeah, I think the theaters, oh, I, I think he's still throwing a hissy fit. Well, of course they are, but I think that they're still, oh, they are pissed. Oh, have they come out and, and. Oh yeah. Oh, AMC. Oh yeah. Oh, AMC's AMC's chairman. Yeah. 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 That's okay. who did. That's, um. That's where I got the information about how um, the timing that one of those let their partners know. So AMC, their head honcho, was like, we are fighting this vehemently. Like, you know, we, we're going to make sure that theaters survive, that, you know, that well, essentially one of us leaving money on the table. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, the dude lost his mind. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, and of course, I mean, he has everything to lose here. 
Here, let me look. Find it. Find I'll You know, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, AMC quotes. has everything to lose. Then not just AMC, but these theater chains have. They're the ones who have everything to lose because they're staring down. You know, they're staring down the barrel of a very bleak future, and they have mm-hmm. been all along. I mean, again, AMC was on the verge of bankruptcy prior to COVID. So let's not, you know, let's put this into perspective here. It's not like theaters were rocking. You know, I mean, we have to remember that when, you know, when you see how much money movies make and whatnot, you got to remember that, like, less people are going to movie theaters now than ever before. It's just they're paying higher prices and premium prices and things like that. Um, And and a big reason for that is because there are so many ways there used to the day there was a day where you had to go to the movie theater to see your movies. And even when they did finally become available for home viewing it wasn't that exciting an experience you're watching it on like a 25 inch television that's a box you know and and the you know the picture's not great and and vhs tapes and all that stuff so it was now though the the things are different and now the home theater experience is exciting and people like it and it's comfortable and it's comparable to a point and you got a pause button, so if you got to take a leak, and you're very big on that, the whole <laughs> dude, it's like a big thing for me, man. I'm like, because it's there is nothing worse than like being involved in a movie and having to go to the bathroom and like going, oh my god, like you're fighting that mental war with yourself. You're like, f it, I'm just gonna run to the run to the to the bathroom and I'm like full on sprint, get to the bathroom, like. <laughs> Just it's just a mess. You yes, know what I'm saying? I, apparently. You're like, what did I miss? It's very yeah. So, but, but no, I mean, this but is. I was gonna say, God, God. Yeah, I mean, this is like, you know, those days are over now, and I think that you know, less people go to movies, uh, not just because there's just a lot of movies out, and and you know, the, the quality isn't quite there overall. But also, it's just the convenience of it. You know, for every person that, you know, kind of tying this back to that conversation about, like, the two different audiences, right, that we were talking to, um, for the people that love the cinema experience and the giant screen and the, the all the, the sound and all of that stuff, like, a lot of, most people are now consuming their television and film on small devices, right? Yeah. On phones, yeah. on tablets, on, you know, computers laptops whatever uh, and on their television screens at home uh, all of which in many cases uh, are going to be much smaller than a screen you're going to get in your theater right also let's also not forget the fact that i think sometimes we have a tendency too to forget that um not every theater is equal <laughs> um you know, no, sometimes no, just because not. you go and, and in certain parts of the country and even here in New York, like not all theaters are created equal. I mean, you could go to mm. a theater and you sit in auditorium six and auditorium six is about as it's it's not comfortable. And the screen is a fraction bigger than your living yeah. room screen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so that's a thing, yeah. too. So I don't th- I think we also need to not over glorify like the movie theater experience now as 100%. well and we've had sweeping updates you know probably on the coasts you can't imagine and i've been to i've been to a theater in texas yeah and i was like Ugh, yikes I've, I've, again, I've been to theaters <clears throat> here in, in new york though that had that same yeah. experience i mean the theater you know there are smaller theaters and because they're multiplexes now there's less room i mean you know when i was a kid you go to a, a theater there was a couple of 
auditoriums, if not just one. Yeah. And it was a huge screen, and it was a big thing. You know, now they cram as many screens into a building as they possibly can. It's right. not always the greatest right. experience. Um, yeah. So I, I think too, we yeah, we need to kind of sometimes yeah. we again we we have this glorified view I think too sometimes of the theater experience based on our our most ideal and our best theater going experiences um so that's the other thing too yeah so so going back to the the quotes from because i dug them up uh from amc and cinemark who have both commented about this so so this this come by comes by way of an email from the amc uh the ceo uh in the new york times he says clearly warner media intends to sacrifice a considerable portion of the profitability of its movie studio division and that of its production partners and filmmakers to subsidize its HBO Max startup. Wow. Well, that's really <laughs> wow. As for AMC, we will do all in our power to ensure that Warner does not do so at our expense. We have already commenced an immediate and urgent dialogue with the leadership of Warner on this subject. Startup, huh? Uh, yeah. And then <clears throat> Cinemark says, in light of the current operating environment, we are making near-term booking decisions on a phone-by-phone basis. At this time, Warner Brothers has not provided any details for the hybrid distribution model for their 2021 films. Okay, so let's let me just. I can't let the startup comment <laughs> go because that's either. Um, that's a jab. Just someone being smarmy, or someone mm-hmm. being completely out of touch, which would not surprise me. Yeah. Because again, AMC was a failing business to begin with, coming into this mm-hmm. year, so it wouldn't surprise me if this CEO didn't know his head from his ass. Um. The thing is, again, HBO Max is not a, a startup, as we know. It, it's HBO, mm-hmm. right? I mean, a large portion of the 30 million HBO Max activations are actual people with HBO subscriptions. So he might mm-hmm. have heard of that little startup called HBO. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure that that's, again, it, you could take that one of two ways. It's either just a smarmy little shot or yeah, it's jab, someone yeah. being very out of touch and and which i i again would not surprise me at all um but yeah i mean listen but again this is the same company that said they were going to boycott universal films and then a couple yeah. months later turned around and cut a deal with them to say okay you know we're going to have your films in our theaters but then within like 15 days or 17 days they're going to be able to be available at home so it's like like hypocrite yeah, like, much? Dude, you're still I mean, getting you know. the movies in the theaters, man. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, and, and that, and, and <laughs> I mean, again, you're it's trying so to fight. He's trying to yeah. fight. Look, but here, so here's the one difference, though. At least with the with the Universal deal, uh, there's an incentive for the theaters, right? The theaters make uh, you know most of their money those those first couple of weekends anyway. Oh, sure. So at least they're not losing that, but. And here, there, there's no upside for that. I mean, you're, you're basically what Warner Brothers is doing is undercutting them, yeah, basically. Uh, so I, I get it. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I just yeah. kind of killed the guy. I get it, but I do get at least what he's saying as far as this deal goes. Is that like they're the ones getting hurt? And he's trying to say that it's it's Warner Brothers that's getting hurt because of the, trying to help fix their little startup. But it's the theaters that are getting hurt by this because they're the ones being undercut on this. Um, you know, Warner Brothers can figure out a way to monetize these movies on HBO Max. The theaters can't monetize empty seats. 
if people right. are watching on HBO Max. Yeah, they'll so, just charge more money for it. Well, yeah. So they're going to have to try to you know negotiate. And but the problem is, are they coming from a position of any leverage right now? You know, I mean, after the Universal deal that they cut, and now with this. I mean, I don't see where the theater's leverage is to try to say, you know, try to work on a deal with Warner Brothers or anybody no. that's going to benefit and them in any way, shape, or form. A hundred percent. And I mean, and then the studios are just going to say, okay, yeah, we'll have, we'll, we'll give you exclusivity on when the, you know, this content will be released, but we're going to re- require 80% of the splits. Well, yeah. So or like, here's the that, other that thing. Cut, that cut becomes, yeah, that, that cut gets a lot smaller. I mean, if... Yeah, well, here's the other thing is saying, well, we, you know what? We've already established that we can figure out a way to make these movies work on HBO Max. So if you don't want our movies, that's fine. <laughs> and then, again, the theater has 0% chance of making any money with no movie. Eight you, Warner Brothers you know, can figure out a way to make money putting their movie on a streaming service or however they want sure. to do it going sure. forward but the theater has one shot and that's to have the movie playing in their theater yeah you know where the battle really lies so it's you know because we're forgetting a party in in this uh in this mix and that is the filmmaker right filmmakers have every intention of having their content their film seen on the big screen whatever that means um there will likely be some negotiations for filmmakers you know directors producers whatever to say you know what i'm not gonna sign on unless like this is in the theater that could be a thing right like christopher nolan could be like i don't want my stuff in you know going right to on demand because he's such a proponent and, and and uh advocate for the theater experience who knows where that leaves people like him Spielberg already sold his soul, <laughs> so by going with uh, Apple uh, Apple TV, but they're you know yeah, but remember that knows? whole thing. Remember Spielberg was oh Netflix movies yeah, shouldn't be Netflix win Oscars. Their, uh, yeah, yeah, um, but he ended up shortly thereafter signing up with Apple TV. Um, so who knows? You know what 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 uh, what new negotiations will, negotiations will be had between the filmmaker and yeah. studio. Yeah, well, I mean, it's possible, but the, the thing is, yeah, I'm sure there are filmmakers who will feel that, and it wouldn't surprise me if Christopher Nolan is one of them. Um, but that can't, that can only go so far, because there's not going to be a lot of those. Because one, there aren't, because yeah. then the studio is just going to eventually say, you know, we'll just find the next you, and yeah. that person will will be on board. You know, with whatever we need them to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think that's the only shot. I mean, right now, people understand the situation, but it'll be interesting yeah. to see what. But you know, at the end of the day, filmmakers are filmmakers. I mean, they're not moonlighting. <laughs> that's their career, and yeah. you know, not everybody's Spielberg. You know, not everybody you right, know has right. gazillions of dollars. So, you know, I mean, sure, everybody would like to be, but you know, you're at the mercy in a way of of the studio too, if you want to work. So, sure. I mean, and yes, integrity is important, too, but 
they're going to have an affinity to the theater because that's how they came up, of right? Course. There's an entire generation of inspired filmmakers that yes. are coming up watching yes. and creating content with iPhones. Yes, not that we want that you know necessarily, I mean? but yes. No, 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 but 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 still, you know what I mean? Like that's going to be yeah. you know, that's that's going to be the thing and, and sure. if they're going to want their content seen everywhere. I mean, YouTube is a thing because people want content yeah. whenever they want and, content yeah. on whatever screen. Absolutely. And look at the quality of the the create the filmmakers the writers that they, like the mandalorian's been able to attract right i mean yeah. and for a for a a tele well a streaming television show that's you know that has episodes that are barely that have not even none not one has been an hour long <laughs> you know like right. the longest episode has been there's been one episode that's over 50 minutes you know for and, this show and these are critically acclaimed filmmakers. yes robert rodriguez just directed what was essentially a 27 minute episode of a television show you know, a yeah. Star Wars television show. And, um, and, and and the beautiful thing about it is that it is helping those filmmakers evolve their craft. Yeah. Dave Filoni is an, is an animator. Yes. He, and he's directing live action and he delivered a stunning episode. Yep. Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. I, like evolved. Yeah, I tremendously. think that's why it's important to always look at the bigger picture. This isn't yeah. just about movies. And and no. whether we want to see them, this is about the changing scope of how we, as a society, consume media. It's all yeah. changing, not always for the better, but it's changing regardless. The way we consume news, the way we consume music, the way we consume television, movies, entertainment, all of it, the way we interact, it's changing and has been changing for years. And I... I, it's not something that you could fight that much. You just have to figure out how to work within the new rules and and make it as effective as possible. Yep. Yep. Mm. Well, well, we'll continue to monitor the hell out of this one because <laughs> it's there's definitely going to be a lot of legs and lots of conversation. Sure. But, uh, and lots of movie know. watching on my couch. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. We haven't watched Mulan yet. We're gonna get there. It's on. It's on the queue. Yeah, I can't check it out. get myself. See, that's the funny thing. Like, uh, like you know, way back, I was like, oh, I'll pay the thirty dollars. Never paid the thirty dollars. No, I'm, it's for free, and I haven't watched it yet because I've got other shit to watch. And and you probably wouldn't have gone. That means you probably wouldn't have gone to the theaters to see it either. No. Yeah. No, I would not have. And that's the gauge. So Mulan is a movie that that I would not have gone to the theater to see, and yeah. shockingly, I have not watched it yet because it just wasn't a yeah. movie that got me super interested i will eventually watch it one day probably but so that hasn't changed even though i could watch it from my living room couch now for no additional cost i still haven't why because at the end of the day you still have to give me a product that i'm interested in so that's right that's the one thing that doesn't change amen to that and on that note uh we can get plenty of interesting product by going to the fanboygarage.com and uh, you could check out our episodes. You could check out our merch, uh, merch store, and of course, join in on the conversation. A lot of interesting conversations going on right now. Obviously, um, theaters, streaming. Uh, where do you fall on it? Mandalorian. Um, are we going to see Luke Skywalker? Will this tie into Snoke and all of that stuff? So let's talk about all that. You could do that on the social medias. Uh, the Facebook, the Instagram, and the Twitter at the Fanboy Garage. Uh, you could find me on Twitter at Real CL Mighty. 
You can find me on Twitter at AARonSpeaks. That is A underscore A underscore Ron Speaks. Uh, Another quick plug on our merch store. It is the holidays, so please be sure to pick up some nice swag for your family members, your friends, your significant others. We've got some dope-ass shirts like Batfleck Returns, Keaton Returns, Mall shirts. You name it, we got it, sort of. Uh, If we don't have it and you want us to design a shirt, we can do that. Um, anyways, thank you so much for listening to episode 123 of the Fanboy Garage. We will catch you guys next week with Banana. Yes, with Banana, because we do miss her. <laughs> anyways, have a good one, guys. You're listening to the Fanboy Garage Podcast. <laughs>